I'm Jake Corley. And I'm Mark LaCour. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by Red Wing. This is the show for busy oil professionals who want to quickly keep their fingers on the pulse of the industry. Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas This Week. This is episode 109. What's up, Mark? Well, uh, Jake, God, we are all so busy. We're heading into OTC, which is always the busiest week for all of us. Um, but you know, really good stuff. You know, if anybody listened to the episode you released previously, where you and I were at Tulane, we had a great time. But we will apologize for the quality of the audio. Uh, we didn't have control over that. Um, poor excuse. Jake and I are already making plans. So in the future, when we go to speak in public, we'll have much higher quality audio. Hats off to Jake from taking something that you could not hardly listen to. And at least you can listen to it now. But we had a great time. Yeah, such a great trip, and I'm really, really looking forward to uh, going to some more of these universities and just meeting with more of these students. Uh, I think it's it's just a fantastic opportunity, not only for them, but also for us. Yeah, and so if you're a school or university out there and you want to hear Jake and I come uh, speak, what we've done that seems to work really well is we basically bring our fr- first Friday Q&A to your school. And your students, you know, your students and your teachers and everybody else can and ask us questions, and we can kind of talk through stuff. Um, so it's just it was it was a blast and very useful. And Jake, you don't know this, but we're in discussions with Tulane about becoming a, a regular part of of their program out there. So um, looking forward. Awesome, to that. that's great. Yeah, yeah. And speaking about uh, audio, uh, you know what we have, Jake? I think we got a new sponsor, don't we? Yeah, but we're not getting to that yet. Oh, we have our own we have our own radio station. Ah, uh, that is true. So if you want to listen yeah. to us twenty four seven. Check the link. And why below. would you not want to listen to us twenty four seven? Who wouldn't want to listen to us twenty four seven? Yeah. So uh, Jacob put a link in the show notes. It's a uh, ridiculously easy. Any browser you can listen to us. It's it's, um, it's all good stuff. Now you mentioned this earlier. We have a new sponsor. We actually have two on the road sponsors for 2017. Our newest one is Total Lamb. Um, we we have been dealing with them and have known them, have a relationship with them for years and years. We see them every year at all the NAPES. Um, but they're the world's most advanced field land management system, literally the landman's virtual office. So if you're in that upstream landman world, you need to go check out uh, Total Land. They're great people doing some great work, and it just makes your life easier. Uh, Jake will put some links in the show notes. And then still, Lee Heck and Harrison, the global experts in talent management. Um, you know, Lee Heck and Harrison is, is uh, currently helping over 75% of the Fortune 500 oil and gas companies simplify the complexity of leadership and workforce transformation. Once again, a really, really great company. Um, the really cool thing, Jake, is at OTC, we're going to have their uh, people and their uh, banners out there. So if you come, if you want to come listen to Jake and I and the other podcasts live from OTC, we're going to be there the first day. Um, and you'll be able to come out and, uh, and, and meet us in person and ask us some questions. Uh, speaking of stuff like that, we have Geo Convention coming up May 15th and 9th in, in Calgary. And Jake, we are the keynotes for the luncheon. I'm so, I'm so excited, man. I think we have a good talk lined up. What are we talking about? So we're talking about pulling ahead in the midst, midst of change. So the oil and gas industry is fundamentally changing, and we all know that, right? You can feel it. You can see it. And if you're a company out there, the traditional ways of you selling and marketing doesn't work. And if you're if you're listening to this, you know I'm right. Um, so yep. Jake and I are going to talk about what this new world looks like and what you need to change and do differently to pull ahead of your competition. Um, if you have an interest in this, and you should, uh, reach out to Dustin. Uh, Jacob put a link in the show notes to Dustin's email address. Um, but he's still looking for people to sign up to come to our luncheons. And if you really want to um, get a lot of attention, sign up to be a lunch sponsor. That's what you need to do. And then also, so we've got OTC coming up in, what, two weeks now? Yep. So uh, we're going to be at OTC. We'll be recording live from the NOV Shrimp Oil and also from the Red Wing booth, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, we'll actually be recording um, from live from um, OTC floor itself. 
um, on Monday, May 1st. In the morning, late morning, <laughs> we'll be at the Red Wing booth, and then that afternoon, we'll be at the Caterpillar booth. We have professional sound guys. There's going to be news and media out there. Um, we're also recording um, Oil & Gas hs &E that morning from the Red Wing booth, and then Paige Wilson, who is launching her Oil & Gas Industry Leaders podcast, which, by the way, Jake, you're being interviewed on her podcast, aren't you? Yep. Tuesday that makes you officially an industry leader. Officially, <laughs> <laughs> but her podcast grand launch is actually from the Caterpillar booth that Monday, May first. And then, if you happen to be going to National Oil Shrimp Boil on the second, and we can't help you get in there, although we can't help you get in in, uh, in um, OTC, I'll get back to that in a second. But if you are going to NOV Shrimp Boil, all three podcasts will be there uh, broadcasting live. And I say live; we'll record it and release it later. Um, so you know, uh, private event invitation only. But if you're if there, come check us out. We'd love to meet you. We'll be shaking no, hands and kissing babies. We're shaking hands and kissing babies. Um, and there's beer involved, so maybe later we'll be shaking babies and kissing hands. <laughs> <laughs> and please, no baby shaking jokes. I am just, um, I'm just joking, people, right? Um, now, I'm going to back up a little bit. If you want to go to OTC for free, Jake, my newsletter, which releases uh, tomorrow, which is, uh, no, I'm sorry, no, it releases Tuesday the 25th, which is two days from now. In my newsletter, I have free OTC passes. That's a few places you can get them. That's the only way I've gotten into OTC the past couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Is that true? Yep. That's actually funny. So you found it useful then? Extremely useful. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you're listening to this, I don't know, when is this one going to go live, Jake? Next week? Uh, this will go live tonight. Tonight. Okay. So you're listening to this. You have two days. Jacob put a link. Go sign up for my oil and gas events newsletter, if nothing else, to get the free OTC passes. So the, uh, the Rice Alliance has its OTC startup roundup. Like I said, we haven't had any communication with them. They're not telling us to pitch this. I just think it's a wonderful event. I've been a part of some of their events in the past, and I've also been to some of their past OTC startup roundups. Uh, it's a cool time to really just see. Uh, I think they're going to have like 40 different uh, emerging and growth energy technology companies in this space, a lot of innovating technologies, uh, a lot of young entrepreneurs, a lot of old entrepreneurs. Um, there's usually free booze, free food. Um, it's a good time. So just come out and I should be there. So once again, shaking hands, kissing babies. Um, yeah, we'll see you guys there. And, and audience, one of the things we have a whole bunch of podcasts in the works and, and we, you know, we appreciate your feedback. It's, it's all these podcasts that we're working on are because of you. You've reached out to us and expressed some interest and we see a big enough interest. We then look at actually bringing that podcast live. One of the ones we're working on is the Oil & Gas Entrepreneurs Podcast, so stay tuned. All right, so I think we're ready for the news stories. What do you think? Let's do it. All right, so this first article I've seen shared at least 10 times across Facebook and LinkedIn this week, um, so I figured it was worth mentioning. Um, so we've talked about this a million times, and that's just because it's important. It's extremely important. We talked about this last week. We've talked about this on multiple podcasts. Um, you know, Over the past few years, we've definitely noticed that there's a change in the industry, uh, and that is that they're not rejecting technology as much as they used to. You know, oil is now becoming a technology play. And companies who realize this, um, that they realize this is a technology play will come out on top. Yeah, and so Jake has a handful of really good articles here. Um, what's going on is the industry has no choice, and they know it. And nobody's figured out the perfect mix yet. But the industry as a whole, in my, in my 20 years of being in this industry, I have never seen the oil and gas industry look and want to adopt new technology as rapidly as it's going now. And it's going to change our industry. Um, it's going to create profits that weren't 
there before. It's gonna create jobs that weren't there before, right? It's create careers that weren't there before, and it's all really cool stuff. And the bottom line is to help companies do more with less, which means we'll have less of an impact from an environmental and a safety and a health point of view. And it's just gonna create more and more prosperity um, because the world cannot pull its emerging economies um, out of poverty without cheap, abundant, consistent energy. And we're gonna be able to provide that. Um, I, I could get really deep in this, but Jake, you have some good points around this stuff. Yes, we talked about this last week in Tulane, you know, at $100 oil, nobody really cared about efficiencies. Now the pressure is on at $50, $55 oil uh, to really improve efficiency with, you know, various uh, data crunching, predictive analytics, and really just to get more out uh, for less. Um, So other than that, there's some other technology advancements that we've seen, and they're kind of talked about here in this article. Uh, One being DNA sequencing. You got companies like Biotechnology. Um, and what they're doing is they're actually comparing microbes in the rock sand samples uh, to those in the oil produced in the area. And so they claim that they can actually map out draining spots and boost a well's output by a few million dollars. Think um, about that. Just, it's amazing. Just by doing DNA sequencing, you can increase production. The other thing that they don't talk about here is that you now can identify the oil literally to the well that it came from, which means you can now figure out when black market oil goes on the, on the market where it came from, and you can stop it. And that's huge in, in our big geopolitical world that we're having to deal with right now. Yeah, exactly. Other than that, we've also got uh, robot, robots are now putting pipes together. You've got roughnecks are using mobile apps to for drilling advice. Um, we're still a ways away from completely autonomous operations, but we're seeing a lot of companies make moves in that direction. And and the culture has changed, right? So the Iron Roughneck's been out for 20, maybe 25, 30 years, but it wasn't until just recently it's totally adopted. If you think about the rig tour we took, Jake, that drilling floor was unbelievably small because it was so yeah. automated, which makes it more efficient, right? You can drill quicker, longer, deeper, faster for cheaper, but it also makes it safer. Um, and it's just it's just an awesome thing to see this sort of stuff happen. The robots fitting pipe together, I can't wait to get to the point where the robots are doing all the drilling for us. I, I mean, and it's coming. It'll happen in our lifetime. So I've said this a few times, especially, I don't know if I've said it on the air or not, but we've had some conversations with some guys, especially like at Tulane last week, that GE Oil & Gas, they're investing extremely heavily in this space. We talked about them buying those two startups for their Predicts platform for uh, roughly about a billion dollars within one week. Um, and they're predicting that a truly digital oil field could lead to a 20% cut in primary preventative maintenance cost and a 2.5% boost of production volumes. And so they're actually releasing, I think the Predicts platform is actually coming out third quarter this year, um, and they put tons of money into it. Yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting. So what they've done is they've created or they've identified that middle layer, um, and, and they're trying to capture that, trying to get a chokehold on that. Um, I think they're going to do it, at least in oil and gas, if not all the heavy industries. If they do that, they're going to pull so far ahead of Halliburton. Um, so if you're a Halliburton listener out there, I hope your R&D department's looking hard at this and figuring out how Big Red can also uh, uh, get a play out of this. Yeah, but so before we can actually get there, here's the two main barriers. And I've seen this for myself, just talking with ENPs and whatnot. Uh, there are only 3 to 5% of oil and gas assets right now are actually connected digitally. And 97% of all the data collected is never even used. Yep. And the other thing is that data is siloed, right? The geo data is siloed compared to the production data, which is siloed from the decommissioning data. And that's a cultural change that's going to have to happen in the industry um, before that will happen. It's going to take a long time. Culture is always the hardest thing to change. The other thing that we're seeing that is, it makes me 
um, see that there's a lot of opportunity here and it will happen is on the HSE podcast, Patrick and I lately have been talking to a lot of HSE leaders who are now sharing HSE data even with their competitors. And what they all say is, I don't care if they're a competitor. If we can make things safer for everybody, we're going to do it. Well, the same type of cultural shift that we're watching in HSE can happen in like the, the operators. What if the op major operators got together and said, yes, we're all competitors, but if we share this data, then we can standardize on production trees or drilling platforms or whatever, which will make it cheaper for all of us. Once again, it's just it's a culture change, but I'm seeing it happen already in HSE, which tells me it's going to trickle its way through the rest of the industry. And it's, it's all good stuff. We had a question last week at Tulane. It was about the, the opportunity in oil and gas and why young people should be fired up about being in this space. And so I talked a little bit about it, but um, there's one quote from this article from one of the executive vice presidents over at Schlumberger. Uh, they said, data in the oil and gas industry has never been organized in a way that a company like Google or Amazon would do it. Oil and gas is still in the first inning out of nine. Yep. and That's exciting. Know, up, That's really it's exciting. very exciting. We had the head of innovation, uh, I can't remember the name of the company, on the HSE podcast a while back. I think it was TransOcean. It was TransOcean. And him and I got so excited talking together because we both see the unbelievable amount of opportunity for technology in oil and gas. We're literally in its infancy. And the, the potential problems that are out there that you can fix with technology are unlimited. Um, so, you know, if, if you're somebody that's looking as at a, from a business at fixing problems, for the first time ever in history, the oil and gas is willing to talk to you, <laughs> and they're willing to look at investing in new technologies that makes business sense. And, and it's going for the next, you know, forever. And it's just all really cool, great stuff. All great stuff, man. All right, so we can talk about this for the next four hours easily. Next four days. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Um, so some of the world's largest oil and gas companies are pressing Trump to stay in the Paris Agreement. There's a lot of disagreement about this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so this is a great order from Fuel Fix. You're going to read this one through. So the thing, and I just I just figured this out this, this weekend because uh, I've been looking at this and um, you know, originally when you talk about climate change, the oil and gas industry pushed back, and rightly so, um, because the science from the, uh, the people who say that man is contributing to the increase in global warming is not there. We, we just don't have enough data yet. Global warming is a fact, right? Just like ice ages are a fact. That's the two opposite ends of the pendulum. So if you look out your backyard and you don't see glaciers, that means by default you're in a period of global warming. Um, the, 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 but the part that I've been struggling with is why is all these major oil and gas companies jumping on the climate side of the house, especially around CO2 emissions? Because um, Jake, you may not know this, but CO2 emissions, when you look at, at a greenhouse effect, are about 4% of the greenhouse effect. Mm -hmm. uh, there's things like water vapor, which are actually 85% of the greenhouse effect. Um, and the greenhouse effect is not man-made, it's natural. It's, our planet is warmer than it should be because of the greenhouse effect. Um, and so, you know, so start, you know, for the last couple of years, I'm thinking, well, it's, it's a PR move because I talked to these oil and gas leaders. I talked to their climatologists, their meteorologists, um, you know, they're not all in agreement, but one thing they all are in agreement is if man's influence and in, influence on the, on the climate change is part of the process, part of what's going on, if we're making an impact, if we're making that pendulum swing quicker, the end results are not going to be catastrophic that everybody's saying. It's just going to get a little warmer. Um, but there's, but most of them agree with me that we don't have enough data yet to say if man is actually impacting that. So it was, looked at this and looked at this and looked at this, and then the other day I was doing some research on actual CO2 emissions on the emerging economies, and it clicked, Jake. So guess what the number one commercial way to reduce CO2 emissions globally is? Like what makes the biggest impact for the least amount of money? Mm, lower beef consumption. 
yeah, I put you on the spot. Nobody gets this either. I wouldn't have got it until we did the research the other day. It's switching coal-fired um, electrical generation plants to natural gas. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so that makes who, sense. Who, so who provides natural gas in the world? Uh, I think we do. The Exxons and the Shells, right? Yeah. The BPs. So why would they not? Why would they not take part in this? It's there. It's driving market for them. And it mm-hmm. clicked in my head. It's like, oh my god, I just figured it out. You know, Exxon and Shell both turn themselves into a global gas companies. That's the fuel of the future, and the rest of the industry sees that as well. Well, if the number one way you can reduce CO two emissions is to use natural gas, you got to buy it from somewhere. And it's like, oh, I get it now. Um, the th- this thing about staying in the the Paris Agreement, there, there, there's a whole bunch of moving parts that people don't understand. But this is why I, I, I think that the big companies out there are supporting this. It's it's for their own interest and and not selfish interest. You are making a huge impact to the environment when you switch from coal to natural gas. You just have to buy that natural gas from somewhere. Um, but you know, if if you read, the, if you talk to the experts around the Paris Climate Agreement, number one, it's not going to make any difference. It's just too small. Number two, it 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 is bad for the world emerging economies. It's easy for the westernized countries, you know, Europe and U.S. and and Russia or whatever, maybe not Russia, U.S. and Europe, um, to abide by this because we have the money. We we can put the carbon scrubbers on. We can do clean uh, burn technology. For the emerging economies, India, Vietnam, China, they don't have the money to do this. So if we want them to stick to this, it's going to slow down pulling their population from a poor agricultural society to a modern society. So it's, it's, it's a very biased climate uh, deal. I mean, it only really benefits the, the Western countries. And then the other thing that people don't understand is that in order for the U.S. to actually agree to this, what it needs to do is be approved by Congress, which it never will be approved by Congress. So what uh, the Obama administration did is basically take a bunch of executive orders and agree to parts and pieces of this. Now, what is Trump going to do? He said that he was going to pull out of it. Um, from an environmental point of view, in a lot of ways, that might be the smart thing to do. Um, if he pulls out of it because it doesn't work and it's basically just a bad deal for the rest of the world, that's going to force the world leaders to come back again and come up with something better. Um, so I, I don't know what our current administration is, but I did finally figure out why the, the, the oil and gas companies are supporting um, things like this, and it, it's it's because it increases their market share for the natural gas, which which is not a bad thing. It's actually a really great thing. I think um, one of the most interesting things about this article is that you have a huge disagreement within the leadership, right? You've got uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson um, is arguing that we should stay in the Paris Agreement, but on the flip side, you've got the EPA boss, Scott Pruitt, said that the Paris Agreement is a bad deal for America. So, and, and he has a lot of ties to oil and gas as well. Yeah, well, so Exxon, let me just go back to what I said earlier about the the oil and gas companies supporting this and why. Exxon sent a letter uh, to the Trump administration saying we need to stay into this. Now, do I think they're doing it totally unselfishly? No. <laughs> if we stay into this and the world is forced, or not forced, but the, the world is... Um, um, I don't want to say pressured, and the, the world is rewarded from switching from coal to natural gas, well, the people that sell the natural gas are going to benefit the most. And, and then once again, understanding that when you switch from coal to natural gas, it's so much better for the environment. It's not, not, they're not lying about this. It's just that they happen to be the 
companies that have the natural gas supply. Uh, so yeah, there's a bunch of geopolitics going in this. Um, you know, it's um, a lot of people don't know this, but here in Europe, our, our air pollution peaked in the late seventies. It's gotten better in water every year. It gets better every year. Our CO2 emissions go down every year, even though CO2 is not a major greenhouse gas. And, and even though our consumption of fossil fuels keeps going up. So we've, we've, we got a handle on, right? So does Europe. It's the emerging economies, the Africa's and the China's and the India's of the world that haven't went through our industrial revolution. And then you get to the whole ethical consideration. It's like, do we force them to do this? I mean, that's not right. Nobody forced us to do it when we went through our industrial revolution. Nobody forced Europe to do it. Um, but, you know, our leadership team, um, regardless of what your political beliefs are, but our core leadership team in the White House right now is, is the A team. They'll, they'll figure this thing out and they'll do what's best for everybody. So speaking of Scott Pruitt, uh, he recently announced on Wednesday that he's issued a 90-day delay for oil and gas companies to follow the new rule requiring them to monitor and reduce methane leaks from their facilities. So the first thing that everyone's like all the environmental groups are just completely up in arms, right? So does this mean that all of a sudden these companies are just going to start releasing a large amount of methane into the environment? No. And what people don't understand, this, this drives me crazy about people making opinions and not understanding you know, I don't think you would let somebody that has an opinion on how to do brain surgery, but has never been trained to do brain surgery, operate on your head. <laughs> you know, oh, he learned it online. Um, so methane is a component of natural gas. So when they talk about these methane leaks and methane releases to the environment, nobody's releasing pure methane. They're releasing natural gas, which a big component is methane. Well, if you're an operating company or, or, or uh, even a buyer of natural gas, Jake, would you want any of that natural gas to escape? No, no, not at Why? all. Why? Uh, because that's money. That's money, money, right? So, yeah. the, so the 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 drivers are in place, and it's just basic business common sense that we don't want to reduce, we don't want to release methane, right? Because it costs us money. That's profit. It's going out the door, or it's stuff that you bought that you lost. You can't make any money on it. And so, the the, the, the this is really silly. The way that things are set up, we work really hard not to release any methane emissions. Maybe we don't agree that it affects global warming, but damn, that's a that's my daughter going out that 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 leak, right? And so, it's silly to to throw in some more um, overhead and some more taxation. I shouldn't say taxation, but I should say um, some more money that companies must spend based upon laws and regulation when there's no need for it. So it, it, it's, you know, nobody's going to dump a bunch of natural gas. That's, that's money that would go out the door. It just, just makes no sense. This makes no sense. And Scott Pruitt knows this makes no sense. So let's move on to something that's a little bit happier. This last quarter was the best oil and gas M&A activity that we've ever seen. Isn't that awesome? So PwC reports that there were 51 deals done in Q1 worth $73 billion, a 160% surge in value year on year. And upstream, 32 deals worth $36 billion were struck, 304% jump in value compared to 2016. And if you're looking at where most of these deals were done, we've talked about this before, uh, an overwhelming majority of these deals in upstream were done in the Permian, constituting a $21 billion total value. Hey, who in November of last year said next year, which is this year, 2017, lands go rule? Who are, where'd you hear that from? Uh, this guy named Mark LaCour. <laughs> and that's exactly what's going on. They're, they're moving their, um, their, their portfolios to have more exposure onshore. And, and right, they should, right? It's a smart thing to do. Um, but it's so cool that we have all this M&A activity going. And I, I miss, you know, you hear me talk about things and I'm right. I'm also the first one to admit I'm wrong. 
I called this wrong by by almost two years. Um, I said this was going to happen in, in 2015, this huge M&A activity. I, I missed it by two years. So I got that one wrong. Um, but it's just really cool to see. Um, and what's the other thing that's, um, that's really cool about this uh, M&A activity is you're now talking about people generating revenue, companies making money, jobs being created, not from the oil and gas industry, but from the companies that service the M&A activity. You know, they're having a really good year this year, and they're not oil companies. So, you know, once again, it's just pumping money back into the economy, which is prosperity. Yeah, you have some of these private equity companies making extremely large acquisitions or mergers in this space. So what are they going to do? If they're getting good returns, they're going to dump more money into it. Yeah, which just creates more opportunity if they make the right decisions. Yep. Exciting time to be in oil and gas. It is. Uh, it really is a very exciting time to be in this industry. It's, it's. I've been in it a long time. This is the most exciting, and we're at the tip of 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 the growth of the, this excitement. It's just awesome. So up next, OPEC is re- recommending a six month extension for output production cuts. What are your thoughts on that? Do you have a dog, Jake? Yeah. I do. (laughs) I think your dog just had an opinion on that. So I'm going to, I'm going to agree with your dog in that this is, this is something OPEC needs to do. Um, OPEC's control is their ability to control supply and demand. That control is slipping from them. The best thing they could do is, is keep production cuts where they are for a while. Um, so they can continue to boost the the cost of crude. The more they can boost the cost of crude, uh, the more money they can actually make and the more cush they get, um, from the, um, other non-compliant OPEC members, um, and that's that's their Achilles' heel. You have members of OPEC that that are not going to stick to this long term, or are already not sticking to it, and that's the death of any cartel. The strength of cartels, everybody agrees to everything, everybody does what everybody wants, um, and, and so I think you know you've heard me say this a million times on the show, but I think OPEC is in the the process of being destabilized, and I don't think they could be able to stop it. This is them. This is them trying to slow it down. You know, extending these cost cuts. Yeah, I think at this point they're just trying to stop the bleeding. But no, I, it's I don't exactly think it's going to change too much in the long yeah. term. Yeah. All right. Up next, uh, Newfold Exploration, who is you know, they're, they're a pretty large producer. Um, they'll soon be recycling its wastewater with the dual intention of improving its bottom line and ensuring that it has enough water for its hydraulic fracturing operations. So they're building a wastewater recycling f- uh, facility in Kingfisher County, Oklahoma, to the tune of $10 million. Yeah. So this is really cool. It's um I... Uh, uh, I can't remember Thomas's last name, but I, I'm um, I'm on an uh, organization called the New Frackers, and uh, Thomas wrote a book, and I'm, I did the the uh, pre pre log in the book, and back then this was I think 2014. It's all about uh, wastewater, deep water wastewater ejection because back then recycling water cost too much money. It was cheaper just to dispose of it in a deep water well. And it's amazing in just a few years and three years, we flipped that on its head. And now it's actually cheaper to recycle that water, which is better for the environment. It's also better for our industry because now we're lowering a cost. Something that used to be more expensive is now less expensive, which means we can make money at a lower price. Um, and this is just really cool. It's, you know, I tell people this all the time. This industry's core is a bunch of engineers and they're some of the best problem solvers in the world. And so when you have a problem like this deep wastewater injection, they will look at it and they'll figure out a way to fix it. And we do this all the time. Um, the other thing is he helps you actually conserve water. So if you're out in the frack fields in areas that are in a drought um, type of environment, well, now you don't have to worry about affecting that drought because you have your own water that you can reuse over and over again. And i tell you something, Jake, some of these water recyclers, the water that comes out is so clean that it's been certified to use on environmental crops. Wow. 
That's isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? That we got to the point where we can do that, and it's actually cheaper for us than than and, uh, you know dumping his waste somewhere. It's just awesome, you know. And so there, here's a perfect uh, example of this. And what happens is. When companies uh, do this sort of stuff, they then start building infrastructure, right? So they need infrastructure to move the frack water around to the wells. They need infrastructure to then take that water that is contaminated with salt, bring it back to the recycling facility. They need infrastructure around that recycling facility, and then they need to be able to bring that water back out in the field so you have a loop. Well, there's a whole bunch of jobs created right there just building that infrastructure. Um, and it's just, it's just such a cool thing. And you want to hear something funny, Jake? Um, um, there's something called saltwater remediation, which you and I have never talked to, but Patrick and I have talked about a few times. We have some experts on um, on the oil and gas HS&E. And you can actually, salt water is, is when, when frack water comes out of the ground, when produced water comes out of the ground, it's contaminated with salt, very high salinity, way more sal- uh, salty than the ocean. And you can't spill it on the ground because it kills vegetation. Well, Jake, I had my own salt water spill in my house. <laughs> I know so? I really did. So my water softener, the vent line, which is basically brine, came undone and I didn't know it. And I was noticing as spring was coming upon us that my bushes, my hedges in the front yard are all brown and dead. And it's like, why are they not coming back? And I went to look and my waistline was down. So I've been ejecting brine in my hedges in front of my house. So I'm getting ready to shoot some video series and show how Mark LaCour, even though you hear me on the podcast, I am a, a, a true oil and gas sales guy in the field. I'm getting ready to do saltwater remediation in my house. Outside of my house, actually. And so I'm going to use the same technique that experts use to do what happens like in an oil field somewhere. I'm going to do it in my front yard. <laughs> so I'm going to shoot some videos. Um, but, you know, this, this all ties together because, you know, as an industry, we find ways to help the environment in a positive way. We want to. It's, it's, we, we're, we're the only industry I know of, Jake, where management and above is measured on their impact to the environment on a regular basis. It's part of our KPIs. But in our hearts, we don't want to do anything bad to the environment. This is our planet. Um, and so it's just, it's just really cool to see that, that we figured this out and we're able to um, recycle water in a way that decreases costs and it's just better for everybody. The cool thing is that uh, Pioneer Natural Resources and the city of Midland actually did a kind of like a public-private partnership between the city. Um, you were talking about the infrastructure. So Pioneer is actually spending $110 million in upgrades to the city's wastewater treatment plant, uh, which would have otherwise been paid for by the city. Um, but it works out for both of them because it's going to provide, uh, it's going to save the city uh, millions of gallons of fresh water, but it's also going to provide Pioneer um, with a supply of reclaimed water for its fracking wells. Yeah, this is just a win-win for everybody. And we do this all the time. And, you know, Jake, if it wasn't for you and I in this podcast, people wouldn't know about this because our industry, and, and I don't like this about our industry, our industry never pats itself on the back. I don't mean market yourself and stretch your truth. I mean, just talk about the truth, the things that we actually do. Here's a perfect example. You know, the city of Midland's going to benefit from this. You know, the the uh, oil and gas company used their own money to help the city of Midland, you know, upgrade their, their water recycling. I mean, that's just, that's just awesome. Good on them. It's a smart yep. way to work. Up next, ExxonMobil is moving towards with uh, moving forward with a plan to build the world's largest ethane steam cracker on a fourteen hundred acre plot just north of Corpus Christi for a total of three or uh, nine point three billion dollars. So why is this important, and why did they choose Corpus Christi? Uh, they chose Corpus Christi because of the the deep water port that's right there, so they could uh, export their refined products. Um, when this came out. Uh, I, I did a post on Facebook basically saying you got to love ExxonMobil because of the jobs this is going to create. Um, it is just 
unbelievable the number of jobs it's going to create to actually build this thing and then to run this thing. Um, this is a perfect example of how even though upstream is uh, we're still in a low crude price environment, downstream, which is basically taking crude natural gas and turn it into stuff you can sell, is booming uh, because their raw feedstock, which is crude natural gas, is so low right now. Here's a good example. You know, these ethylene crackers aren't, and if, if you haven't heard me say this before, but an ethylene cracker basically converts natural gas to plastics. And, and yes, chemists out there, I know it's way more complex than that. Don't send me any nasty emails. But at a high level, that's what it does. And so um, this is for the emerging economies. You know, we talked about the, the emerging economies in India and China and Vietnam, blah, blah, blah. Well, right now, they're, they're, their people have large families and they live on a farm. And, they, and with their large family is a workforce. And they grow enough food or they try to so they feed themselves. And that's the world they live in. In the very, very near future, that next generation is going to live in a city uh, with modern jobs and modern appliances. Well, the existing family now doesn't really need Tupperware or plastic light switches um, or um, you know iPhones or computers. But the next generation that will live in the city will, and yet those plastics have to come from somewhere. And one of the, they're going to come from these ethylene crackers that we're stacking up all in the U.S. So, just another example of how oil and gas doesn't isn't always used as a fuel. Um, in fact. Uh, Petrochemicals uh, are such a part of our modern life that you could not live your life without, without the products made from oil and gas. 85% of everything found in a hospital emergency room came from the oil and gas industry. You know, who would want to go to an emergency room and there's 85% of the stuff that needed isn't there? I mean, it just doesn't work that way. It's like so, going to the um, VA. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Jake? We shouldn't go down that road because I just had this conversation with somebody recently. Um, and, and in case people don't know, that the VA could use some improvements. Um, but it's, um, it's just really cool. This huge projects going in once again, here in Texas, you know, Texas, we're very pro business. Other States could have gotten this plant from Exxon and, we, and the state of Texas did what it needed to do uh, to get it here, which is more jobs, um, for, for the state of Texas. And our, our governor Abbott was, was, a uh, played a big role and, you know, to make sure that this plant was built in Texas. So that the population of Texas would actually benefit from it. Um, Exxon is also looking at sites in Louisiana, and and you know, so, sorry, Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana. I love you to death, but but Texas won. <laughs> so that about wraps it up on the news stories. So hopefully yeah. you guys enjoyed that. Let's move on to the next part. So we've got a winner this week. Who is it? It's a uh, Rachel Westmoreland with Avian Energy. She's a regulatory compliance specialist. So congratulations, Rachel. You have won this incredible Red Wing offshore bag that's in super high demand. Um, it, Jake, it really is getting crazy the stuff people are offering me for one of these bags, but we won't take it. It's not ethical. Jake and I don't do that. Um, but if you want one, it's actually ridiculously easy to win. You go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Put your information in there. We draw one lucky winner a week. See a official site for rules and details. Weekly rig count for the week. We're up 10 for a total of 857. Now, one small caveat. So I was doing a little looking on different sources for rig counts. So if anyone that knows what the most accurate one will be, that will be the source that we'll use from here on out. So please write us and let me know. But there was a difference of up to 100 rig, 100 rig difference depending on where the source was. We've used the same one consistently. Uh, it was through Baker Hughes. So I'm curious if anybody knows which one is going to be the most accurate. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know there. Uh, it shows how old I am. I thought that was the only one that was around. It's a Baker Hughes rig count. Um, yeah, I'd be interested in see what else is out there. And if anybody has any insight on which one's more accurate, let us know because we want to make sure we give the most accurate number as possible. Because one of the one of them was nine hundred and fifty something rigs, which makes it even closer to your estimation of thirteen hundred. So I just want to know which one's the right one. 
Yeah. Uh, events on deck. What do we got going on? We got a whole bunch of stuff going on. So we have the Bells, Bugs, and Barbecue on April 27th from 4 to 9 p.m. I'll be there. I actually think Paige Wilson may be there as well. It's a charitable event. We go to this every year. Great barbecue, great crawfish, live music. They have raffles. Um, it's dirt cheap to go to, and the money um, uh, is uh, given to the Lone, Lone Survivor Foundation, which is just a great charity. So, you know, a bunch of uh, uh, young women in the oil and gas industry doing a great job, having some fun, and raising some money to, for a, a great charity. And then we have the BP MS-150, Saturday, the tw- April 29th, and Sunday, the 30th. Patrick and I will be there. I think we're just going to be there Saturday in LaGrange. But this is a, a, a huge bike ride. This is actually the largest uh, bike ride in the um, multiple sclerosis family. And it gets bigger every year. And all the money that's raised in this bike ride, BP is a big supporter, goes to help fight muscle, muscle sclerosis, multiple sclerosis, right? Um, and so if you could go, come check us out. We will have at least one, if not several, of the podcasts out there. And Jake, I think we may try to do something different. We may shoot a whole bunch of short video and then edit together so that our audience could actually see what goes on in one of these Yeah, events. that'd be really if, cool. Yeah, and the thing is, this is not a race. You know, uh, the the thing that a lot of people understand is they have a whole bunch of support including a whole bunch of sag wagons so if you just want to ride a little bit and then jump in a sag wagon and be brought to the next one a lot of people do this um it's a great way to raise money for an awesome cause and and just you know hang out with your oil and gas peers in a way that has nothing to do with work then we have otc coming up we've talked to this a whole bunch uh, may 1st through 4th uh, we'll have the podcast there um, we have several events that we, we've been invited to you know during and after um, we're gonna have a heavy heavy presence we're all gonna be there um, so if you come into OTC and we, I talked about earlier, if, if you need a, need free tickets, it's easy. Go to my monthly, uh, email, sign up, uh, this Tuesday, um, that, that newsletter will go out and we'll have free OTC tickets there. Like we do every year. We, uh, well, I don't know what I was about to say. <laughs> uh, if you have a question for our next first Friday Q and a, just go to the show notes, click, ask a question. You guys really drive that show and we hope to provide you with some good answers. Um, uh, check out some of the other podcasts. Oil and Gas yep, HS&E got- and Oil and Gas Industry Leaders, which will be launching from OTC. Yep. I'll and, be on the show. Is- Mark, you'll be on the show too, right? Yep. And what is Paige giving away on her show every week, Jake? Steak dinners and probably wine and probably all those, all sorts of other stuff. $200 gift certificates for steak dinners every week. Mm. I mean, I got to go sign up for that. I want to win a $200 steak dinner. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that at all. I mean, that's, that's, I, what do we do that she, what does she do better than us to get freaking $200 steak dinners? <laughs> um, and nothing against Red Wing. We love our bags. We love our sponsor. We love them to death, but sometimes it doesn't quite seem fair. Um, so if we talk about this a bit, we have a website. So if you like the show, if you want to go ask us a question, if you want to learn more, we're going to eventually start putting some exclusive content that's not on the podcast. It's really simple. It's allandgasthisweek.com. Go check us out. Give us your email. We won't spam you, but you'll be alerted the first before we anybody else when we do something that's cool and outside the box and then if you like the show join the linkedin group oggn it's the family for this show and all the other podcasts uh it takes all of 30 seconds to, to sign up and i've seen everything from salespeople uh, help other salespeople with contacts to people helping other people find jobs uh one thing that we don't have jake is spam we don't have spam because Paige Wilson sits and approves every single post and every single member so there's no way you can fool her and if you try she's gonna bust you also, if you love the show, please give us a review. Otherwise, it's just me and Mark just talking. You help us uh, just drive awareness for the show. You make all of the events possible. We're nothing without you guys. Um, we've had a few newer reviews uh, come in. Short synopsis, everybody loves what we're doing. 
only thing we can improve upon is the production quality, which we have handled, right? We're, we're working on that. Yeah, okay. so it's, um, you may not know this, but uh, Jake actually edits our podcast along with a oh, thousand now other Now everybody things. knows who to, who to blame. <laughs> so he has a lot on his shoulders, so we're in the process of actually bringing in a professional editing team to, to edit all the podcasts so that we can have consistent, high-quality audio because we hear you. We, we hear you when you and, and, and we get it, right? And I want to take a second, Jake. I want to thank all of our new listeners, but I also want to thank all of our old listeners. Literally, you're the whole reason we do this, and we love our interaction with you. We hope to see you at some of these events coming up. Uh, you can reach out to Jake and I anytime. It may take us a little while to get back to you um, because our audience has grown to be quite large, but we will get back to you because without you, like Jake said, it would just be Jake and I talking stuff, and, and we love you all to death. Um, this has been a good show, Jake. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? That's about it, man. See you guys right. next week. Yep, so folks, do great work. Pay it forward, and we will see you next time.